Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Morning, fellas. Morning. Morning, fellas. Morning. Come on in. Come on in. Welcome. Morning. On January 2nd of this year, uh, my wife and I were headed to Cincinnati for our first ever Monday night football game. Now, that ended up being the night of the infamous Cincinnati Bengals versus Buffalo Bills game where DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest on the football field. Now, for anyone that may have been at that game, it was a very heavy moment. Um, Right when it first happened, you really didn't think much of it. You kind of thought medical staff, training staff was going to come out and everything was going to be fine and we were going to continue on with the football game. But after about five to ten minutes when you were at the stadium, you could feel the weight of the stadium just start to rise. Um, people kind of going in chaos, not knowing what's going on. I remember the trigger for my wife and I was watching the players' reactions because you didn't know what was going on. The announcers weren't saying anything. News outlets didn't know what to report on. But you could watch the players, and as they started to take their helmets on, they were literally in tears and a lot of them saying prayers, and you could feel the weight of just the situation start to rise. And it became a much bigger moment than football or any sort of competition. Now, fast forward to today, and DeMar Hamlin is okay, he's safe, he's actually back on the football field, which is a miracle in and of itself, but something happened in the aftermath of the cardiac arrest. There's a video that went viral with millions and millions of views that I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen, but we're going to watch it this morning up on the screen here, and then we'll unpack it afterwards. gave me everything you know and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night I think you saw some of the beauty of football as well that it's brought us all here together um you know like this is a little bit different I heard I've heard it all day like thoughts and prayers and you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say like all we can do is pray for him and I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer and maybe this is not the right thing to do but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is Demar Hamlin right, right right now um I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. 
We will continue to cover this. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through Some called that the most powerful moment in television history. The most powerful moment in television history is from a 50-second prayer. From a 50-second prayer, fellas. Everything we see on TV and that being one of the most impactful and powerful moments in history. Now, there's so many takeaways we can take from the video. Obviously, we don't have all morning to unpack it, but a couple key things I want to take away from it. First and foremost, probably being the most obvious, pray out loud, fellas. Pray out loud. I am as guilty of anyone saying, hey, thinking about you, praying about you, and then I just get caught up with the busyness of the day, and I don't actually sit down and say the prayer. So my encouragement for us this morning is, and Ronnie leads from the front with this, send a prayer text to a man. If someone asks you to pray for him, grab him by the shoulder and say a prayer deliberately, intentionally, out loud right there with that brother. It has a deep impact. Secondly, I thing I want to call out about that video is Dan's a layperson. Dan is just like you or I. Dan is not a, a preacher or pastor or anything of that nature. He's just like you and I, and he can have impact moments like that. So can we. And I was deeply encouraged by that. I was listening to a podcast between Brian Tome and Dan Orlovsky. If you guys haven't seen it, I really encourage you to take the time to listen to it. It's well worth it. But Brian asked Dan, he asked him a really interesting question. He said, you know, Dan, how did you get to this situation? You're an NFL athlete. You played professionally for a number of years. Now you're a sports broadcaster. How in the heck are you up here saying a prayer on live national television? How'd you get here? And one of Dan's responses that, again, I think is so encouraging for this room and for me personally, is he said one of the most impactful moments on his Christian walk was when he surrounded himself with lay people that lived out godly lives. And he called out guys like Josh McCown. So what he said is essentially, hey, when I surrounded myself with guys that talk like me, walk like me, look like me, are athletes like me, compete like me, when I'm around guys like that and I see them live godly lives, that had the deepest impact on his Christian walk. So again, I think that's encouraging. How do we use that and harness that this morning? That should be encouragement for all of us. As lay people, we can have impact moments. We should not underestimate the power we can have to influence others on this Christian walk. And to relate it to one of our values, if you guys have your pamphlets, it's the second one. It's a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is. So there's, there's many reasons for that, but this morning I want to say develop a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is so that you can have your impact moment as a lay person. Yes, it will require competence. If you listen to that prayer again, that was not Dan's first prayer. You can tell that's a prayer of intimacy. He has a deep relationship with his father. So for your impact moments, you're going to have to have competence. And the second one of that value is confidence. I'd even go a little bit further and say maybe boldness, put a little bit more meat on the bone. In that same podcast, Dan said to Brian, he said, I was well aware of the repercussions I could face saying a prayer on live national television, but he felt the prompting from the Holy Spirit, and he continued to pursue that and follow that through, and that video has been viewed millions and millions of time, times, and it's had deep impact across the entire nation. So... That's my encouragement for us uh, this morning, fellas. Don't underestimate your role as a lay person. I'd even say take 10 seconds, man. Write down one person's name. You can do it right now. 10 seconds. One person's name that's not at your table this morning that you can impact. Again, it doesn't always have to be. Kyle Ottoman is absolutely incredible and could listen to him every day. But we also have the power to impact others. So don't underestimate 
your impact on other men, and that's evident of what we saw from Dan Orlowski and relates directly to our core value of develop a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is so you can have your impact moments. Um, without further ado, though, I do want to bring out our speaker. I am extremely privileged and honored to introduce a man that's had a deep impact on my walk and uh, got the opportunity to marry my wife and I, Matt Reagan. So, Matt, just one question for you. I know actually a lot of men in this room have been deeply impacted by going to Israel. Oh, yeah. And I'm aware yeah. that you have a trip this December that you're leading. Can yeah, you tell us a little about that? Yeah. So, uh, some of you may or may not know, but um, we take, uh, you know, every couple of years, we take a couple of guys have gone with me. Uh, Bruce over here has been with me. Um, but we, we take a group of guys, uh, guys and gals, you can take your wives, over to Israel. Uh, two buses, not so much that it's too big, but also not so much that it's too small. We have worship. Um, it's a powerful trip. We do it uh, kind of the day after Christmas when everybody's families do this, so that uh, it's a little bit easier on the family, easy to get coverage. Um, but we're just... We're getting away, and I'm pretty passionate about getting people away. Uh, a, most people don't get away for eight days for their spiritual growth ever in their lives. Uh, and then B, um, it, most, most people have never really taken the time to really see Jesus. And I'm just passionate about people really seeing Jesus. So we, the first time we took this trip, uh, we took a bunch of college-age students, and uh, we it, was, it was a blast. It's an active trip. Um, literally, any of you are all invited, just hit my socials, we'll get it. Um, I want the right people, like hungry people. Um, but we, we had an active group and we brought them back and literally one of the things that we noticed, and we didn't talk about evangelism, true story, a couple of them in the room here. We didn't even talk about evangelism within a couple months of getting back. The amount of them, we just started noticing, the amount of them that had just started watching people come to Christ in their everyday lives. And, they, and, and they, I'm not sure that they even know how it happened, but they just had a clear picture of Jesus and just said, oh, let's just do that. And we watched in like three months, that first group, I think we had over a hundred of their friends give their, their lives to Christ just in that next like three months. And so it's a powerful trip. You're all invited and I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about Jesus. I think, I think, I think you know that. So, so if we're interested, next step, uh, next up, um, hit my social or uh, hit uh, Deidre Hall, D-E-E-D-R-E-E, -E -E, uh, or D Hall, I'm sorry, D Hall at uh, secc.org, or just reach out to me. I feel like half the room has my cell number, so just ask around. They got it. So, yeah. Perfect. Let me praise out, brother. Yeah, please. The floor is yours. Father God, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for this group of men. Thank you for this setting. Thank you for allowing us to praise you and worship you openly in this manner. Uh, Father, I pray that you give us a spirit of boldness. Uh, you call us to not be timid. I pray that we have the encouragement to share our faith with other men. If, if Dan can say a prayer on live national television, we can share our faith with one other brother. And Father, I pray that you open our hearts and eyes and ears this morning for the message you have for us through Matt. And we give you praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Well, fellas, good to be with you this morning. Um, I, my, my job today, uh, I'm also preaching this weekend on the same topic. I, am, I uh, have, have the 
gift of talking to you all about joy and peace. I'm excited about that. But uh, here's what I'm going to do. I want to set you up for a great conversation. I want to give you something that's helpful. I want to give you a clear picture of Jesus. I know that you guys have been uh, walking through some stuff. So real fast, um, we're going to have to get a little joy in the room. So uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up on your feet and just say hi to a couple guys that made their way in. But give like the kind of welcome that, that men need. Like give them fist bump. Give them If you hug, cool. If not, no worries. Warm it up a little. Warm it up. Warm it up. No, oh, come on, man. Hey, what's up, baby? How are you, dude? Good to see you, man. Hey, how are you? Long time no see. How are you, man? Good morning. Good to see you. How are we doing? Doing well. Doing good. Well, look at this guy, man. What's up, dude? Good to see you, man. Love that. Love it. Doing great. What's up, dude? How are you, man? Good to see you. Good to see you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Mm. Nothing's too hard for you. Impossible's what you do. Uh-huh. Wow. All right. Well, um, man, good group of guys, fellas. This is, this is a good room. So um, I get to talk about joy, and, you know, it's funny for me, and, I, uh, and I'm, I'm going to try to be real. I'm going to try to be practical this morning. Um, I know you're all men, and I know that most of us, when it comes to the topic of joy and peace, um, sounds like a bit, kind of a girly idea. It's, it feels like something you don't necessarily need. You just need to man up. But I want to give you a couple pictures of what it could be, what, what it really is. And then I want to just give you a place to go for it. Here's the reality. When I talk about joy, like when I walked in, most, uh, I literally today, a couple people and they're like, so what are you talking about today? And I was like, I'm talking about joy. And they're like, oh, you're the perfect person for that, man. You're so happy. You know, you're such a, you're such a joy-filled, peaceful guy. And um, I, will, <laughs> I will say this. I, I, I think I am. I think I've found that. I think that Jesus has helped me over the years find that. But I want to make sure that I'm being real. Um, I've found joy, like the Holy Spirit has produced joy in my life, has given me peace in my life. I don't have it because it came easy, right? Like, I, 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 I think you guys know this. I just want to say this. Um, I almost get tired of saying this, but sometimes I just don't want somebody to see something and go, oh, that guy's just happy, dude. He's probably had a great life. Things are probably easy. That's not most of our stories, my story started off by six years old, a lot of abuse in the house, uh, cops in and out of the house, a very abusive home, both physically, um, some of my siblings, my sisters, um, I can say in this room, because uh, they'll they'll, nobody will ever hear, um, that were sexually abused by, like, like, there's just so much stuff going in my house. There was a lot of anger. I remember uh, some of my uh, brothers being thrown through walls. I mean, it was total chaos, and I would say... When you're raised in a lot of anger and a lot of distrust and a lot of brokenness, some of you come from that, some of you don't, it's great. When you're raised around that, um, peace isn't easy and neither is joy. Joy's not easy. 
It's something that's pretty hard. It's actually pretty difficult. It's pretty difficult to have joy um, when things are tough. So now, now listen, um, for me, I will say there's some places right now, and I'm going to go to my happy place quick. Uh, there's some places in my life where joy is now, fast forward life, now that God's done something to me, um, joy and peace are real easy, okay? Like, uh, so some of you in your lives, I don't, I don't know where your happy place is. Where's your happy place? As a matter of fact, take a couple, like two minutes, and tell everybody at the table if you had one place that was the best place on planet Earth. Like, you, like paint a picture. Um, here's mine right here. So mine is on the beach with my kids, all right? I got some pictures. This is break. This is my kids. I've got five of them. And by the grace of God, what he's done to me, uh, man, my, 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 you can keep going, my, my, my family on a beach being goofy, laughing, um, hanging out, my, my bigs with my littles, playing in the surf, um, them taking weird pictures that, that none of us men would have ever done at that age, but somehow they got talked into it. So, so here's the thing, like my happy place is my family on a beach, on vacation, and I'm here to tell you, there's no conflict, it's peaceful, it's joyful. You at your table, real fast, just take a couple minutes, um, what is your happy place? Tell me where your happy place is, just share it real fast, just real fast, give me something. Y'all went through it that fast. <laughs> You're in your happy place right now, man. You're like, my knees are done. I'm good, man. Yeah. All right, you got it. You got it. You got it. So, um, so here's the thing. I don't, I don't have to give you a sermon on how to have joy and peace from in your happy place, man. Like, I don't have to, I don't tell you, like, like for me, kids around, everybody laughing, nobody in a fight. Not that that didn't happen during the week. I don't want to pretend. Um, a couple times I wanted to kill my kids. It's fine. Um, but, uh, but, I, but I want to say this um, because um, so much of us, we live for happy places. We live for these moments. But what I want to talk about, when I talk about joy and peace, I don't want to talk about you just living in your happy place. I want to talk about the biblical definition of these two words and why you as a man really do need it. Like you really do need, not like the work harder to get it. As a matter of fact, um, that's why it's called fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's because you actually can't rise and grind to get joy in your life. You can't rise and grind to get peace in your life. You can rise and grind all you want. But I'm just telling you what God wants to give you and what I'm about to tell you is something you can only get as God gives it. So, so it's kind of like this. If, um, you know, joy and peace, Romans 8, 19, it's one of my favorite passages on planet earth. Um, it says this, it says, uh, creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. 
Um, what does that mean, Matt? What that means is the world is waiting on the way, the world is waiting on us for uh, uh, waiting on us to have genuine fruit in our lives, for us to really be the real thing and to really exude joy and to really exude peace. But what I want to do is if we're going to have fruit like that in our lives, then what I want to do is if, and, and this just makes sense, right? Like if you want the fruit, uh, how many of you raise gardens at all? Any garden people? Garden people? <laughs> Not a lot. Okay. Um, a lot of Costco people. It's great. So, so if you want the fruit, right, you can't, you can't just go in your garden and get your fruit. What do you have to do? You have to pay attention to what? You got to pay attention to the soil. You got to pay attention to the roots. And so what I want to do today is I want to paint a picture of Jesus. I want to show you something the disciples where here's the fruit that came out of their lives. But here's the thing. I can't, I can't send you home to try harder to, to just be happier. I can't send you home to just journal a couple things you're thankful for in the morning, even though that's helpful. For you to then become a guy who's just filled with joy. I can't send you home to be like, well, just get over it. Stop being so mad for your life to really live in an absence of chaos so that you can have peace. I want you to have the real thing. And to have the real thing, when you start having the real thing, then something happens because when you become the real thing, then other people can find the real thing. And that's my goal for this morning. So I'm going to, uh, let me define them. Let me walk through a passage and then let me give you a couple examples and I'm going to send you to your group. So first thing is this, I, let me just define joy. All right. So joy is not happiness, right? Everybody know that? It took me a while to figure that out. For example, um, uh, let me just give you the definition and then I'll, then I'll move. It says, Joy is the emotional state of gratitude, pleasure, and genuine happiness that transcends your circumstance and overflows in worship. That's the biblical definition. So I, I know that joy, if, if it were Christmas and if it's, you know, if it's the season, joy is just that thing that makes you feel good. But biblically, joy is the emotional state of gratitude where you just feel grateful for what you have. You, you'll feel pleasure like I enjoy and, like I, I, I'm in, I genuinely enjoy life and a genuine um, happiness may not be the word. Maybe satisfaction. Maybe like what I have is actually enough. Like I'm okay. Like I, 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 and, and, and somehow joy has this thing where it overflows in worship. Where when you, you know, worship when it just pops out. When you, let me put it like this. Not overflows in like singing songs. It overflows like something happens inside of you where you're like, man, look, no matter what happens, like, here's the deal. I know it's crazy today, but I'm, I'm grateful for God's work in my life. I'm grateful for what God's given me. I really, no, seriously, I really do. I enjoy where God has me. I know what the, the circumstance I'm, I'm in. I know that my business is headed in the wrong direction. I know my wife's in a bad spot. I know my kids are in a place that I don't really want them to be, and they drive me crazy right now, but I don't feel like I can say that. But here's the thing. But I, but, but I just know, like inside, I know with absolute certainty that God has me where he wants me, and I'm satisfied with my life, man. I don't need more than I have right now. I, I get where I'm at, I know it, I feel it, I'm good. That's joy. Here's how that, that plays out. So for example, I have, I have boys, uh, I, you know, you saw them, the, the big 6'3 guy, we drove him to Arizona. We got him for the summer. I hadn't seen him in like literally for more than a week in the last two years because he's been at college and he's been off and he's doing, he's doing great in his faith. But I got him home for like an entire summer. Like I got my guy. I, I, how many of you have had a, a son leave the house? Where are you at? 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of them you wanted to do this on the way out, but some of them you want around, right? And so it's funny because I kind of wanted to do this on his way out. But now he's become this great, amazing young man that I love. We literally like recorded a podcast together this summer about just leveraging our lives for the kingdom. He's like my guy. He's like my dude. And so I got this long, extended, like two and a half month period with him. And then I had to drive him and drop him off at college. My second son is named Sam. And Sam, you know, for the first time, uh, Going to college, he's, he's at UK. UK fans, where are you at? Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, I, I have to wear blue now, and it's just the weirdest. I don't know where to put it. Like, um, he's, he's going to be on, he's on the track team there. Drop him off. But let me just tell you, I drop him, I drop him home, or, you know, off, and then I'm driving home to my house. Now, how do I feel in the moment? Man, I feel sad. I've just lost two of my best friends, honestly. Like, it feels like you're pulling them out of my, like, like in my mind, what do I know? Like, in my mind, I know, like, am I grateful? Yes. Man, I love my boys. I'm proud of them. I know where they are. I know it's going to be challenging. I wish I could be there. I wish I could control things. I can't, but I'm grateful. I'm not, I'm not just grateful, but I'm, but like, my heart is like driving away. Like, I'm like, man, I, I, I'm so pleased with the fact that God has given me these kids. Man, I love them. And I am literally satisfied. What I have with my boys is enough. And I feel sad. And I feel lost. And um, I know that my kid that lives out in Phoenix probably is never going to move home again. I know he's probably going to be off doing ministry somewhere. And I know this other son is going to get super busy over the next few years. Like, I understand the change. I understand where this goes. I understand the thing that we had is no longer the thing that's going to be. And I can still in my soul feel joy. Do you see the difference? Ask me today. Matt, are you sad? I'm trying not to be. Honest. I'm sad, man. Like, I miss my guys. Joy's different. Then the second concept is this, it's a word called peace. So joy is this thing that, like, regardless of circumstance, I have something on the inside. Peace is this uh, word called shalom. Shalom simply means when I was in Israel, I had this guy define it. Shalom is not just the absence of chaos. So most people, when they think of peace, they're like, peace means people aren't fighting, everybody's good, there's no chaos in my life. But the way that the way the Old Testament, I wish I had time to nerd out on a little bit, um, but peace in the Old Testament, that word shalom, it's a huge word. It's a big word. All of them want it. It's a part of the Shema. Like they want, they want peace above all things. It is literally translated the filling of every good and full thing in every good and full way. So shalom is not just like, I, I don't, like things aren't crazy that I like I, I just need to I'm at home I've got some peace and quiet I can put my feet up like I'm relaxed like things are good that's not peace peace is when you know inside of your soul that I'm not running on empty man like I have something in the tank that no matter what comes out of me no matter what energy no matter what passion no matter what I'm giving no matter what I'm putting in there's something inside of me that's like an anchor that it's like secure like I am full like every good thing like I have love I have valid like I know who I am I have value I understand where I'm at I have purpose I have like literally every it's the feeling of every good and full thing in every good and full way and so joy and peace are these are these states 
that most of us as men really want to be. We want to be. I think we're hardwired to want to be anchors in the storm, to be, to be the kind of people that like we just exude something of confidence. We know where our feet are planted, and we know who we are, and we're just, we're good, man. Like we're rocks. But the reality is, is that's hard, and when life gets hard, um, it, it's even tougher. So what I want to do is I just want to dive into Scripture, Mark chapter 14. We're going to read through it fast, and let me give you a couple of principles. I'm going to send you off to your tables. Just Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 22, is where we're going to be. And I just, I just want to paint the picture. I think you guys are going to be walking through the last moments of Jesus. And I just want to point out, these are the, these are the there were seasons where you could have picked to talk about joy where Jesus, like, he's got the little kids around him and it's great. You could talk about, man, we just fed 5,000 people. Look how amazing that feels. You, you could talk about the time where there, there, there's all these people and they're lame and they're blind and all of a sudden you're touching them they can see and you're just like, oh my gosh, people are weeping and people are transformed, people are amazed. That's not where we're going to talk about joy and peace today. Where we're going to talk about joy and peace is when it shouldn't be there. How do you get joy and peace when you don't want to turn over in your bed at night because you're so angry at your wife and you have barely spoken to her in the last week? How do you have joy and peace when literally you just got treated like a criminal at work and what they are doing to you, you know isn't fair, it's not meeting your expectations, and you're ready to rage on somebody, but you don't know where you would go. How would you get the money that you've got right now? When you, have a, when you have a group of people in your life or when you have a circumstance with your, with your parents and your, and your dad or maybe it's your kids, I'm just saying, it's one thing to have peace and joy when it's easy. What we want to look at is, well, how do you have it when it's hard? Well, there's not a harder time than this moment. In this moment, Jesus has been regular saying, hey, I'm going to the cross. And I'm not, not like, not one day. He's getting to the point where he's like, no, 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 tomorrow I'm about to endure the worst pain and the worst suffering that I've ever endured in my life. And, I'm, and, and all of you are going to leave me and all of you are going to walk away. And so I want to I I give you something to anchor in because your worlds are about to be rocked. Everything that was solid is about to be pulled away. And I just, I want you, I want you to walk in joy and peace. How in the world do you do that? So let's just read it. Verse 22, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Verse 23 says, then he took a cup. And when he, had, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. He just said, this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for many. He said to them, truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So he says to them, one more verse left, says to them, hey, hey listen, um, you've heard me talk about what I've been talking about for a long time. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm setting, and you all, you all know this, that this is uh, what we read during what time in church? Some of you know this, some of you don't, you're new. What, what, what time is this? It's communion, right? Like this is the last supper. This is the last chance he's going to get with the people that he loves around a table, that he's lived with, that he's loved, that he's poured his life out with. He knows he's departing them. He's not going to be with them. And in this moment, he wants to give them something that's like an anchor, like something they can put their teeth in, something that they can go, man, I want to hold on to this. And it's going to be something so powerful that what we're going to recognize, the, 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 the fellas recognize in Acts 2.42 that this was such a powerful moment that they understood in Acts 2.42 
when the church is born that this is something we're going to do every single week. We're going to devote our lives to doing this thing that Jesus did with us. Why? So it says, this is, this is the bread broken, my life broken for you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many and they took it around. Verse 26, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the, the Mount of Olives. Dark moment, somebody's going to betray me. Uh, let me give you some anchors. And all of a sudden, everybody breaks out in a worship song. Anybody feel like that's weird to you? A little weird. But something inside of them happens. He, he, he has this moment with them, and then something inside of them knows, yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But God, you're so good. And we're just going to worship you in this moment right now. So I just want to give you kind of like, like two pictures that I think will help you, and if you can get your anchors into these things, I think it'll be helpful. Number one is just the picture of the bread. I know that you hold this in your hand every single week. If you, if you come to church, if you're not new, if you're new, um, you'll figure it out. Everybody, they'll, they'll help you with that. But the bread, when you hold on to that bread, what, what's the picture of the bread? Jesus, what are you trying to show us that we can anchor our lives in, that if we understand this, that joy can come out? What is it? See, with the bread, what he's saying, and, and, I, and again, I wish I had some time to walk you through all the symbolic reasons that bread is such a thing, but bre bread is always symbolic of, of humanity. As a matter of fact, in the, in the temple, if you go into the temple, there's, uh, you know, there's uh, all these articles in the temple. There's one article in the temple that is supposed to, it's 12 loaves of bread, representative of all the different types of people, because God wanted to make sure that humanity, that we were tied close to his presence. Bread has always meant that. Unleavened bread was the bread that they would choose, and that was because it was bread without sin. They wanted to make sure that our lives, the way God designed them, the way he planned them, that that was always the goal, that it was the that we were trying to undo these tethers that are trying to drag us off and pull us into another direction. I want to make sure that you understand that this is who you are. That was a sim symbol of the humanity of who we are. And in, in this moment, Jesus wants us to do this. You want joy. I'll, let me just put it like this. Then he says, I need you to root yourself in, 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 in God the flesh coming down. Like that Jesus came is an enormous deal. Forever in the Old Testament, you had his power, you had his might, you had his majesty, you had his creativity, you had what he said to the prophets, and even when the prophets speak, when you hear the prophets, they're talking so like kind of harshly, but why are they talking harshly? Because the people are being idiots. And some of you know, if you have kids in your life, when do you yell? When they're being idiots. When they're being idiots or when they're in danger. The only time I raise my voice at my kids is if my son is out on a bicycle by the road and there's a car coming and he's being a, an idiot. And I'm like, dude, get out of the street. And some, some neighbor can go, wow, that guy's really lost his, you know, <laughs> I don't care, man. That's my boy and he's in the street and I'm not letting a car hit him. Volume has to do with urgency and distance. So God would speak to the prophets with urgency and from a distance sometimes because their hearts were so untethered. And so people started thinking, oh, that's how God must be. Some of you, because you've always been at a distance and you have always been in danger. You wonder why God's voice sounds like, stop doing that. Why are you there? Come back home. And I just want to say this. That's him just being a good dad, man. 
Like in the room, I, I got to tell you, um, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And when Jesus came, how did Jesus treat sinners? How did Jesus treat women who are from the wrong place at the wrong time that everybody else would judge? How did Jesus treat the broken? How did he treat the everyday guy that just really, honestly, was not going to fake being religious, but really just wanted to be at the core a good guy, but nobody had ever shown him before? What you see in Jesus when he gets skin on the bread, the picture of fully human, you see compassion, you see power, you see anchor, you see joy, you see peace, you see a picture of who God is, and when you see who God really is, when you realize, man, that he really does care, that he's good, that he's for you, that he loves you, when you see a picture like that of Jesus, and I, let me say it like this, until you see a picture like that of Jesus, you will never really walk in the joy and peace you were made for. Because you know inherently that he runs the universe, and if you don't think he's good, and if you don't think he is this, like, like this suffering servant who came out of great love for you to show you how to live, to show you how to love, to show you what the heart of the Father was, and then to willingly lay his life down for you, if you don't see that picture of him, then, then you're always going to be contending, you're always going to be trying to get happy. You're going you're gonna to think you run your own universe. And that somehow God's a tyrant and you got to take what you want to take when you can take it because he's not really good, he's not really kind, and he can't really give you what you need. When there are thousands of people, they didn't have food. What do you do? He's fed them, man. Like there's something about the content of who he was that was so different. When you see who he is, his body broken for him. When you get a picture of that same Jesus who lived a perfect life and then started walking down these streets for people to spit on, for people to shame, for people to curse out, then they stripped his clothes, he was beaten, he was bloody, they put him up on a cross. Everything that sin has in store basically for you and for me, the shame, the distance, the anger, like everything that sin is trying to do in your life represented on the cross. And he took that perfect body and he laid it up there to be broken. It says, scripture says, his joints were pulled out like wax. His bones weren't broken, but his body was for you. And I just want to say this. Until you really get a picture of who Jesus is, joy is going to be tough. Because joy is something that comes from you. It's not something you work for. Next picture of this, right, is, is the cup of the blood. It, it says, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for many. Until you get a clear picture of who he is and his, his, his body broken for you, you won't get it. But then, then you also need a picture, and I think Jesus knew this, you need a picture of his blood today. Isn't that a weird conversation? Like blood to us just, it doesn't mean, it just maybe it means like uh, when I think of military, my dad's an ex-special forces military veteran. I think of it like sacrifice and giving your life and all that. And, and while that is true, the people of that time would have thought of blood very differently. They thought of blood because they knew that there was now, like if this is who God is and, and if Jesus gave us the clearest picture for who God is and if the cross gave us the clearest picture for his out of his love for us because he did not want us to be distant, then it's his blood that says, here's the thing, and I, and I wish I had a little bit of time, but I think you're all pretty smart people. Blood in the Old Testament was the very thing that could be shed so that we could have access into the throne room of God again. 
The very beginning in, in the Garden of Eden, there was, a, there was a break, there was a curse. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have a distance between us and God. And while the bread of life, Jesus gave us a pure picture of who God is and how he loves us, it's the blood. It's the fact that when they put him up on that cross, as that blood ran down, as they drained the blood from his life, it was that blood that they had a picture of. Oh, what that means is that we have access to God and God has access to us. So now all of a sudden, that, that sin that you walk in, that anger, that guilt, that like all the things, like if we're going to talk about joy and we're going to have to talk about peace, then we're also going to have to talk about the things that you're doing to rob your own joy, like your own pride and like your own ego and like your own agendas and like your own like just negativity towards things. Like there's some sinful patterns in your life that are happening that are robbing the joy inside of you. And so Jesus doesn't want to just say, hey, put your anchors in this is who I am and this is what you're supposed to be. A lot of us know what we're supposed to be. You just can't do it. And you never will on your own. So he didn't, just give us the, he didn't just give us the picture of who he is. He gave us the blood. And now because of the blood of Christ, not because of something that you can you do, not because you can try harder, not because you can measure up, not because you can rise up and grind and I'm going to do this. And, 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 and the only hope for people in Christ are the people that know how to get up and be disciplined in the morning because blessed are the disciplined because they're the only ones that are going to make it in the kingdom. No, when you're in Christ, by the blood of Christ, you, even you, even me, man, you're washed, clean, and he sees you, and he loves you. You have access to him. There's not a prayer that you can pray that is more righteous than any other person in the room. When you are in Christ, your prayers make it to the throne room of heaven. There's activity. He is acting on your behalf. He is filling you. When you are covered by the blood, when you have accepted the body, and when you say, I want you to be Christ, I want you to be Lord, I want you Messiah, I want to give you everything, then the blood comes and covers you. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And you're finally able to do and be what you long to be. So, brothers, I think that God wants to plant in us men the kind of joy that can't be shaken. Your wives, your kids, your friends, your families are waiting for some men like you to get a clear picture of Jesus and just see who he is and what he's done to allow that to make the, the things that you're chasing and, the, and you running your own kingdoms to feel so small. What we do should feel so small. But because of the blood of Christ, you should never be more encouraged in your life because God wants to transform you in ways you could never possibly dream. God wants to fill you to the full in a way that you've never dreamed, man. For you to have a satisfaction in your marriage, for you to have a satisfaction in your job, that even when, you're, when you're, your boss is a punk and your wife is being crazy. And sometimes, nobody wants to say, well, anyway, anyways. Sometimes, man. And then even that sin inside, and that anger, and that resentment, all that. Covered, man. Covered by the grace of Jesus. You want to walk in joy. You want to walk in peace. You have been given the body 
the life of Jesus come down, lived out, laid down for you. You want peace? You want joy? The Savior of the universe, not only when he came, did he lay his life down, but because of who he was, you now have a power. You are the sons of God. You have a fullness that people before Jesus dreamed of. You have power. And he wants to change you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for my fellows. Father, I pray that you would allow them to walk in the richness of real joy. That these men would not be like the foolish man who just built his life on the sand and was always trying to do side hustles. But then it always felt like even when he had everything, he was losing it. But Father, I pray that these men would be the kinds of men that would build their lives on the rock. That they would become the kinds of men whose joy and whose peace would be unshakable. But that's only going to happen through your son, Jesus. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.